0: Welcome to the CYDC Podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike.
1: And I'm Arushi.
0: And as you might have seen from the episode title, today's episode is on self-care. So Mm -hmm. Arushi, do you consider yourself someone that engages in self-care often or is it something that um, you think you need to work a little bit more towards in in your daily life? Hmm.
1: I I I think a mix of both. I definitely think it's something I try to make time for, where it's like I have at least one day where I don't do any work, and it's like something I kind of plan ahead of time because otherwise I know I won't do it because I feel like there always is something to do. Um. So I think like a little bit of both in the sense that I do practice it, but I think I could kind of get better at it or find out ways to incorporate it within my day, so I don't need to set one day aside. Um. Just for it. What about you?
0: Yeah, um, for me, as uh, you probably know, kind of, I, I, this is a, this is a topic that I'm very passionate about. Mm-hmm. Something that um, I try to do every day, and something I try to incorporate every day. Whether that's even taking time to like eat lunch and taking like an hour or an hour and a half just to kind of like eat lunch and relax and like take a moment to breathe, like mm-hmm. that for me is even a small piece of self-care that on even the busiest days that I feel like I try to kind of incorporate if that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I think it's so important like for my own mental health and for my physical health and all around like self-care has been um, crucial I think so
1: yeah absolutely and I think even understanding that self-care goes beyond like face masks and bubble bath and like there's so much you can do to practice self-care that extends beyond, I think, commercial self-care. Um, but we'll dive into that today.
0: For sure. And if you don't mind, yeah, is it okay if I get started on kind of what self-care is? Yeah, totally. All right. So as many people might know, self-care has really become a buzzword recently. And um, just kind of a fun fact, um, just on Google alone, it has... The word self-care has doubled in searches since 2015. So self-care is defined by the World Health Organization as the ability of individuals, families, and communities to promote health, prevent disease, maintain health, and to cope with illness and disability with or without support of a healthcare worker. In other words, self-care means doing things that ensure that we are healthy and well. And for me, My definition is anything that promotes or takes care of our overall well-being, whether that's our mental health, physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, social health. So just making sure that, you know, um, we are keeping up with our friends and our our relationships and loved ones, um, environmental health and even more. But but I think it can look different for many people. And there isn't really one way to practice self-care. So, for example, Self care can be going for a run, which for me gives me a physical and mental boost, but it also might mean choosing not to go for a run, which allows me to physically heal. So I know some days I might plan to go for a run and I'll wake up that day and I'm just sore and not really feeling like it. And I know that rest is probably the best way for me to practice self care and take care of myself. And on the other side, it can also be going to hang out with my friends because I get a boost from hanging out with my friends. But also, at times, it can mean not going to hang out with my friends because I'm the type of person that needs some downtime to just kind of recharge my batteries and I need some of some me time um, as someone who is a little bit introverted, which um, we'll kind of talk about later in the episode. And the reason why it has become so popular is because it's part of the answer to help us cope with daily stressors, including anxiety and depression. And so as it's gained popularity it has really moved from a health centered definition towards a more general definition and one that encompasses doing things that make you feel quote unquote nourished as a psychologist from connecticut kind of defines it and so there are a few different categories of self-care which as mentioned before because it looks different for everyone it's not really limited to these activities that we're going to mention Um, But we do want to kind of mention the multiple categories that there are for self-care. And so the first one is emotional self-care, which can include self-talk, saying no to things that will cause unnecessary stress, being kind to yourself, taking time to pause, maybe setting up a weekly coffee date with a friend, spending time with family, and maybe even splurging on a meal or a snack that you love, like ice cream, or for me, it's peanut butter all the way. Another one is physical self-care, which can include healthy sleep schedules, exercising, and even setting an exercise routine that you kind of follow throughout the week. Um, And even eating nourishing foods is one form of physical self-care. The next one is psychological self-care, which can include personal reflection, journaling, or even deciding to go to counseling or therapy. The next one is spiritual self-care, which can include attending religious services, Spending time in nature, practicing mindfulness and calming strategies, hint, hint at our previous episode if you would like some more information on that Uh, random acts of kindness and even keeping a gratitude journal is a form of spiritual self care. The next one is temporary self care, so it's kind of in the definition or in the word, the definition is in the word and temporary self care is care that won't last a long time after it's done. Um, enduring self-care is self-care that has permanent effects, like practicing mindfulness daily, which kind of actually leads to changes in the brain, which is why it's counted as enduring self-care.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I think it's really interesting to look at the different forms of self-care in those short-term and long-term categories. So I think it really speaks to the fact that, I mean, lots of different things can count as self-care, kind of going back to the face mask and blah blah thing I mentioned before but I can imagine how something like that could fall under temporary where in the moment it might feel nice and relaxing and that's awesome but long-term things like practice mindfulness and daily exercise has those long-term effects even on the brain as well that other activities may not not to say that other activities aren't as helpful but I think it is interesting to kind of see that comparison between the two
0: And the one thing that I hope too, with like these two definitions, I know that one said that like temporary self-care doesn't last a long time after it's done. Mm -hmm. I would even like to group within enduring self-care is something that people might do on a daily basis or people, something that people might schedule like multiple times per week. I think that could be even considered enduring self-care, you know, so Mm -hmm. taking one bubble bath might be temporary self-care, but if you plan on taking a one bubble bath every week, or two mm-hmm. bubble baths a week, that might be something that, you know, um, it's t- a type of self-care that's going to last beyond just that one kind of session. And it's yes. going to last as a, it's going be, to become a routine um, and it's going to become uh, long lasting that, um, that practice. So.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think when we kind of think about, you know, short-term versus long-term self-care and the different impacts of it, I think it would also be helpful to dive into the importance of self-care and some of the benefits of it. So taking it back to ancient Greece, even the ancient Greeks have been known to practice self-care, and in fact, they actually have a word for it. So, The word for it is philia, which means self-love or love of self, and they believe that self-love built their capacity to love others. In present day, we know that self-care has great benefits for our immune system, positive thinking, and decreases our stress, depression, and anxiety. And an article by Jane Stark from Botanica Health actually laid out five benefits of self-care, so we will dive into those now. So first off, slowing down can actually make you more productive. So slowing down can be done in numerous ways, so things like saying no to commitments that Mike mentioned earlier, taking time for a coffee or some sort of mindfulness activity. Devoting time of the day to simply take a deep breath and just relax, even if it's for five to 10 minutes. So all these things can help us bring ourselves into the present moment and focus on what's important, especially when we are very busy and have many things to do on our to-do list. And I think this is such an interesting one because I feel like there is a very common notion that being Go, go, go means you're a very productive person, and that's not to say that it's not true, but I think it's interesting to consider the alternative, where you may not have to be high-stress and always on the go in order to be a productive individual. Next up is self-care can boost our immune system. So the combination of rest and sharing that we are getting proper nutrients, exercising, mindfulness, and even taking a bubble bath are forms of self-care. But better yet, they activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which puts our body into rest and recovery mode and allows us to decompress and strengthen our immune system against cold bugs or even other illnesses. The more we practice self-care, the better we can be at coping with our hectic lives and maybe even have some energy left over at the end of the day for activities that we would like to do that extend beyond work. Next up is self-care can increase our self-compassion. So self-compassion is defined as our ability to be kind and warm to ourselves when we fail, are down, or feel inadequate, rather than being overly critical. The more we care for ourselves, the more love we build for ourselves and what we bring to the world. Self-care may also build a sense of identity. So a big thing is that self-care can help someone find their passion and help them find things that they really love and enjoy for themselves. So that could be something like creating art Hiking, playing the sport, listening to a podcast, or anything that you know you like, but can't seem to find the time for. As we grow up and our priorities begin to change, it can be difficult or even uncomfortable to be selfish and do things for us only. Especially when we might have to care for others and spend time kind of filling others' cups. But I think that's where, you know, self-care for self-compassion and self-care for building a, a sense of identity... Kind of go together and go hand in hand in terms of making time for activities that fill up our own cup and make us feel good for us. And in turn, by making ourselves feel good, self-care can increase our capacity for others. So self-care is like filling up your own gas tank and if you come home from work or have a long day and your gas tank is empty, it may be difficult to be there for loved ones like your family or friends. So what self-care does is it helps fill that tank up so that even after a very tough day, You have gas left in your tank for others, and ideally some left over for yourself as well. So clearly there are many benefits to self-care. I hope we've convinced you all by now um, why it's a very important facet of our daily lives, but more importantly overall, even the fact that it has on the brain and on our cognitive structure in the long term, which Mike will dive into now.
0: I was going to say, Urshi, that is a perfect segue into into the brain and- Um, So self-care is important for our brains because it helps us build good pathways um, or build pathways for our feel-good chemicals to turn on. And these feel-good chemicals include dopamine, oxytocin, endorphins, and serotonin. So dopamine leads to excitement and joy in the anticipation of happiness, like achieving a goal we set. In fact, our ancestors experienced this chemical when they found sources of food um, as their need for survival was met. So due to the pandemic and the interruption of our daily lives, our dopamine pathways aren't really being activated as as often because we might not be able to anticipate the next day or week or whether we'll be working or not. And there's kind of a lot of question marks around what our days and weeks are going to look like. So what form of self care can we do to benefit the production of dopamine? We can increase our dopamine levels by scheduling daily activities to look forward to. Planning family competitions or game nights with friends. Um, This can be done virtually as well. This is something that I've been engaging in um, throughout the pandemic. Um, Making checklists that are achievable um, or planning fun activities. And whether that's planning fun activities for you and maybe a friend to do from virtually or a safe distance or even planning a fun activity for yourself that's also a form of self-care the next feel-good chemical is oxytocin and this is released to help us feel close to one another and feel levels of comfort and so it's responsible for the formation of strong bonds with loved ones and is a love hormone that encourages physical affection so when we are close to one another And maybe if we cuddle or hug someone oxytocin is released and I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is true when we cuddle or hug dogs as well, Um, Mm -hmm. both us and the dog release oxytocin. Um,
1: I didn't know the dog released it too.
0: I could be wrong in that, but I'm like 99.9% like sure of that. I mean, maybe, maybe I'll do a quick fact check on myself. Uh, Throughout this episode, but yeah, I'm pretty sure both us and the dog release oxytocin. And so from an evolutionary standpoint, oxytocin was necessary as people are stronger in and protected by groups. So it's kind of like this idea that it's when you're in a community or when you're in a group of people, there's obviously a benefit to that. Um, And yeah, in other words, there is safety in numbers. And so the impact of the pandemic has really limited our ability to interact with others and be social with family or friends. So what form of self care can we do to benefit the production of oxytocin? We can increase physical affection with those within our household. um, Contact others virtually send videos to friends and family of various activities, maybe their dances or musical instruments or playing the guitar. write letters for friends and families and virtual game nights can also be another form of um, oxytocin production.
1: Awesome. So while you were talking Mike, I did a quick google check and dogs do in fact release oxytocin when they're snuggling with us or even when you're kind of just like looking at your dog and having a moment like that it releases it in both yourself and your dog so if you needed another excuse to snuggle a dog I mean There you go, that's awesome. I genuinely didn't know that till today. So next up are endorphins and they are released in response to actual or anticipated pain. So what form of self-care can we do to benefit the production of endorphins? First off, of course, we can always try to exercise or engage in some form of movement. So what does that mean? That can include things like walking, running, biking, working out, so doing strength training or anything else, playing a sport, yoga, cardio, or even go noodles for movement. And if you don't know what that last one is, Google it. Serotonin is also released when we are respected and appreciated. It's a reward for strong assertive behaviors that make us feel like we have an advantage. This chemical is is related to natural selection as early humans had to compete for resources. So serotonin was released as a reward for surviving and gaining these resources. This chemical is also released in response to preferential treatment, as that too ensures survival. So what more can we do to promote serotonin production? We can give family members leadership roles with tasks, acknowledging when we or others are doing something well, praise or compliment ourselves, that's a really big one, or others, and be positive about ourselves or others as well.
0: Yeah. And in terms of um, kind of talking about endorphins, maybe I can drop another fun fact in this podcast, which I learned from another podcast, is that I learned that endorphins are actually not the cause for runner's high, or they they think that endorphins aren't the cause for runner's high, Mm -hmm. um, or quote unquote runner's high, if that is even a a thing. But that's up, up for debate in the science community. But that's something that we were talking about before. Yes. this podcast as well and um yes go noodles for movement your ch- kid will love you for playing a go yes. noodle they are a great go-to that's for yes. sure yeah
1: put them up on youtube i think they
0: are yeah, yeah they are awesome they're awesome and now to kind of move into another topic of self-care we'll kind of move into boundary setting um and a boundary is a defined um rule or limit that someone sets to help them benefit their well-being and protect them from stress. So these can include setting expectations about how much alone time you might need away from loved ones, removing yourself from situations that cause negativity, or even knowing when to say no to our family, friends, or coworkers. Setting boundaries are important because when we don't set good boundaries, we end up focusing on doing things for others, like the extra task that your boss asks you to do at the end of the day, and you kind of put their needs above your own. And so poor boundaries can lead to resentment, anger, anxiety, depression, and additional stress. And self-care and boundary setting go hand in hand, because boundary setting can also include prioritizing self-care over other responsibilities and ensuring that our well-being is being taken care of first. So for example, this has happened to me many times where maybe I maybe I have plans with friends and I've canceled because I might have had a really bad mental health day and I needed the night to myself to really regenerate those batteries. And at the end of the day, it wasn't because I didn't want to go or because I didn't want to see my friends. I always want to see my friends. But I knew that in that moment I needed to say no for my own well being. And my friends are aware of that. And so they know that, you know, if I say no or if I cancel it's not because I don't want to be there it's because I need that time to regenerate the batteries and that's a boundary that I've set um, for myself and with others as well so
1: I think speaking to setting boundaries when it comes to other people it's also important to have relationships with people in your life where they respect those boundaries even if it's you know not favorable for them in the moment or something that they weren't expecting boundary setting as much as people might not realize this in the moment is a way that you show that you want to continue the relationship with that person because you are exercising healthy space, open communication, trust in that they'll respect your boundaries. So even in the moment, while it might feel not hurtful, but it might surprise you if a friend ever says, hey, I can't hang out because I'm not feeling up to it, definitely don't take it personally. That's quite literally their way of prioritizing themselves, but also their relationship with you.
0: Yeah. And I think we'll kind of, you'll mention this um, coming up, but I think just being honest mm-hmm. was like one of the most important things for me yeah. because for the longest time I wasn't honest, I would either say like I didn't feel well or like, you know, my family asked me to do something mm-hmm. when really oh. I was just having a really bad mental health day and I just needed some time to myself. Mm-hmm. So um, I was just, it, it got to a point where I was just honest with my friends and I said, Hey guys, like I physically cannot come out tonight because my anxiety or whatever is through the roof and I just need time to decompress Um, and that just also in terms of the boundary setting it gave them a much better understanding of what I was going through and why I was setting that boundary Mm -hmm. rather than just setting the boundary or lying to them or whatever right because you know um, yeah that's something that I think is important is trying to be honest both with yourself and with others so
1: definitely so, knowing all of that, what are some good tips for setting boundaries? So, first off, giving ourselves permission to devote time for self care and to focus on our well being without feeling guilty or fearful of a negative response. Next up is practicing self awareness and listening to our gut. So, it's important to know how you feel and what you need in that moment. And remember that boundaries can shift and change as you change and grow as well. Also, being honest with our limits with both ourselves and others. It's important to and allows ourselves to explore what we need physically, emotionally, and mentally, and to better communicate them to others. All right, so next up is being consistent with our boundaries and also starting with I statements to help express how we're feeling and also to label the boundary that we're setting. So a good example that Mike had shared earlier, it's kind of similar to that one, is I'm going through a bit of a tough time right now and I need to spend some time alone to help me get through it. So this not only expresses how the individual, which is you in this case, is feeling, but also labels the boundary that you are setting. And I know a lot of people say no is a complete sentence, and of course you don't have to justify not wanting to go out, but for some people getting to that point is a bit of a longer journey. I know for me, I don't feel comfortable only saying no without an explanation. So something as simple as that works because it labels the feeling and also labels the boundary as well. Another good thing about that statement is that it's direct, clear, and simple. And the last little piece of advice is that if it's needed, it's okay to start small. As I just mentioned, it's totally valid and okay to say no without feeling guilty, and no is a full sentence, as many people say. But of course, it does take some practice, so it can be helpful to set some small boundaries before working your way up to a bigger one, especially if you're not a person who is used to that.
0: For sure, for sure. And as we kind of move on the podcast here, I'll kind of talk a little bit about self-care and introverts and kind of the difference between introverts and extroverts and what that self-care might look like. And so the first thing you might be wondering is what is an introvert? And it it's a very common myth that introverts don't like spending time with others, but the reality is that introverts do like spending time with others and they just need more time alone to recharge the battery, their batteries. So this is a topic that really resonates with me because this is how I practice self-care. And this is kind of, I, I consider myself introverted, even though most people don't consider me introverted, uh, I, I, I am. And so um, this is in comparison to extroverts who usually find an energy boost while they're around others um, rather than spending time alone and they can be as outgoing with strangers as they are with friends and family and so as you can imagine self-care might even be more important for introverts because being social is an energy drainer and there's even an increased need for alone time and so what this means is that self-care might look different for introverts as they might need to engage in more activities by themselves rather rather than with others and boundary setting also becomes more important i think in this this instance as well. In fact, for introverts, um, quote unquote, me time isn't isn't really a want, it's more of a need, right? So it's something that introverts might need to have is that that me time. And so what are some self-care ideas for those who are introverts and extroverts? For introverts, it might be useful to connect with nature, going for a walk or a run, watching Netflix, taking a bath, cooking a special dinner, Um, slower yoga and mindfulness practices, problem-solving tasks like puzzles, knitting, painting, those are some examples, or even reading. That is a a nice self-care activity as well. Introverts have naturally busier minds, so becoming preoccupied and keeping the mind busy is also important within those self-care strategies. For extroverts, self-care might be group yoga or meditation, going for a coffee with friends, or even going to the movies. And um, I think the important kind of thing here is, you know, being social and being with others is something that might be a form of Mm -hmm. self-care. And Arushi, I don't know if you have any other examples for um, extroverts at all of um, what some self-care strategies would be, but.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking even in the virtual context, knowing that it's harder to get into a bigger group now, even something like having like a group, game night, kind of like the cohort game nights that you organize, Mike, or even a group game night with your friends or your family that you might not be able to see. Something like that is a really fun way to get engaged with other people that even extends beyond a regular video call, which is still great as well, but just to keep things fresh and have some new ideas going as well. And kind of moving on, I think something that we kind of touched on very quickly earlier, but I want to dive into more now is the concept of self-care and guilt. So I'm gonna pose a question to all you listeners, do you ever feel guilty for resting and engaging in self-care? I'm gonna raise my hand because I know I do, but we wanted to learn more about why this happens because for me personally, and I'm hoping for all of you, we are deserving of self-care. So where are these feelings of guilt coming from? So let's dive into it. So right off the bat, people treat being busy like a badge of honor. It's often associated with being successful and being hardworking. And for many people in society, there is an underlying and subtle almost resentment in society for successful people who don't work hard for their success. So with this in mind, many people feel guilty for taking time off to enjoy life or take care of themselves for fear of what others may think or say about them. Licensed psychologist, Dr. Sarah Schwitz says, many people drive their sense of worth from their accomplishments. And they only feel worthy of love, relaxation, vacation, and other things after they finish their to-do list or accomplish everything they think they should have accomplished. But why do we reward ourselves with self-care only after we've completed our to-do list? Preventing ourselves from taking a walk in the park or visiting a friend can and has been proven to lead to burnout. Yet we still feel guilty in engaging in these little pleasures because we still somehow believe that taking care of ourselves should be lost on our to do list. That is very relatable for me. There is speculation that we tend to feel guilty about taking care of ourselves because we may not believe that we're worth it or that we feel that it's wrong to put ourselves first. And while it's really important to be there for others, it's also vital to make sure that you're considering your emotional and physical state by engaging in self love and self compassion. Rest and self-care is not something you should have to earn. It's a necessary and vital component of life that should be incorporated into your schedule regardless of whether you've had a busy day or not. So how can we combat this guilt? So for me personally, a few of my favorite methods include scheduling self-care things slash days in advance. So it's something to look forward to rather than a spur-of-the-moment decision. Spur-of-the-moment decisions are okay too, but for me personally, I find that the guilt pops up for me when it's in the spur of the moment versus something i've planned ahead of time so another helpful tip is putting your phone and laptop away so you don't find yourself looking at your to-do list or peeking at your emails because even if you tell yourself you're just going to take a peek if there is an email you may feel inclined to reply to it and work on the task and that is not the point of self-care and lastly reminding ourselves that self-care isn't optional it's necessary and vital for us to be our best selves And it's not something that should be at the bottom of our to-do list, if anything, it should be at the top or somewhere near the top in order for everything on the to-do list to flow and work out properly. So when I was kind of reading this, I mean, it felt a bit funny, because I definitely feel like I relate to a lot of the pieces of it. But it's nice to know that there are ways to kind of go against that guilt and remind ourselves why self-care is important and why it's not um, optional by any means.
0: Yeah, I I agree with all of that, and um, I think one thing that I was actually reflecting on with this topic last night as we were kind of, I was thinking about us recording today and how much I prioritize self-care and how much I could shout from the mountaintops and be like, prioritize self-care, it'll change your life, right? It's something that that has changed my life, is really focusing on me and being a little bit selfish i guess in that sense um to you know not necessarily try to do things for others all the time um but the other thing i was thinking of is whether like you know my stance on that matter is a little bit privileged um in that sense of you know looking at my life and comparing myself to other people and the variety of different responsibilities that people have sometimes i could see how it's more difficult to prioritize self-care um And so that's something that I I was reflecting on last night as well is just, you know, um, I could say that self-care is so important and to take time for for you. And I I still think that is the case, but um, I also recognize that it might be easier for some rather than others um, because of differing responsibilities and differing priorities in their life. So um, Hmm. yeah, yeah, something, some food for thought as well, something that I was thinking about.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point, that self-care, as much as we say it's essential and say it's necessary, also the privilege of being able to engage in it and being someone who may have more time for it or may not have to stretch themselves as thin to make time for it alone is a big privilege. So I'm glad glad you mentioned that because it definitely is a big piece of the puzzle of what self-care is. So I think on my end, that is all i had for today's episode what about you mike
0: yep that's pretty much all i have for today's episode as well um would you like to kick us off with the uh or end us off i guess with mm-hmm. the fun fact of the podcast
1: yeah definitely um so today's fun fact so the rest test a 2016 survey of 18,000 people from 134 countries then that participants said that spending time alone was the fifth most relaxing activity that they could think of. Perhaps this is because as nice as it is to spend time with others, we all need time to re-energize by ourselves, even if that just means watching your favorite show on Netflix alone. And for me, I thought this was a good fun fact for today's episode was I, I just genuinely found it surprising, I think, um, that it was ranked that high from with such a big sample size from so many different countries um, and I think it also makes me feel good on the inside knowing that it's something that a lot of people do prioritize and do consider to be a relaxing activity. I don't know Mike what did you think when you read this fun fact?
0: Yeah I was surprised that it wasn't higher to be honest. Um, Interesting yeah.
1: yeah I know I, I think for me personally it, it definitely would be higher <laughs> but um, I guess in the in the context of the world I'm I'm curious what the first four are. Um, now that I kind of think about it, maybe that's something we can look into for another day.
0: For sure. For sure. All right. So that concludes the podcast. Thank you all for tuning in this week. If you have any questions or comments about the podcast and would like to reach out to us, you can always email us at cydcpodcast at gmail.com. We have added additional resources from this podcast um, in the descriptions uh, below so those are kind of the it's a spot where we put all of our links and where we got all of our information thank you to dr colin king for giving us this opportunity to record the podcast the intro music was provided by gaming free music on youtube and the outro music was written by waterboy on soundcloud and both links are also in the description below if you'd like to listen to those songs on your own time Um, we will see everyone next week where we will be talking about equity And thank you all for listening.
1: Awesome. Thank you, everyone. See you next week.